There are over 450,000 churches in America. Yet America continues its downward spiral towards immorality and corruption. The problem is, people have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. The paradox is this. A personal relationship with God must first begin in the absence of church and religion. How to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. You know, in a moment of quiet time, Billy Graham confessed to his family that he felt like he'd been a failure. The reason was quite simple. After being seen and heard by millions of people, he did not see a nation that it was any closer to God. Now, as Americans, we tend to place enormous confidence in our religion and faith. And yet, that confidence could be in such a simplistic act like, well, I, I, I gave my heart to the, I raised my hand last night and I gave my heart to the Lord. And we conclude by committing such a simplistic act, we conclude that we are now saved and have a very intimate relationship with God because of something that we did, you know, maybe 20 or 30 or 40 years ago by raising our hand in church after we got through the embarrassment, you know, of that and giving our hearts to the Lord. In other words, one's faith can be just that simple. And by that simple act, we conclude, okay, I am now saved, heaven-bound, and I have a relationship with God, a very intimate relationship with God. And, we, and, and from that point of decision-making where we did raise our hand, we don't think about it anymore. And from there, we may or may not go to church. And if we so, we choose the church of our choice, or we choose a church that is in walking distance or a couple miles of driving. And once in church, the church becomes like an echo chamber. Now, what do I mean by an echo chamber? Well, let me explain it to you. The preacher speaks, but it's just our own thoughts and convictions coming back to us. You know, in other words, it is the way we see things. I mean, in other words, he's not up there telling us something that we don't agree with. He's telling us something that we, very on a very personal level, agree with completely. And that's why we all get along with the preacher. That's why we all get along with one another. If we disagree with the preacher, we find another church where the echo resonates and make us, makes us feel comfortable. You know, we hang out with people we agree with, do we not? And we avoid the people we disagree with. We surround ourselves with like-minded people and pat ourselves on the back. And all the time we call it spiritual growth because we get along with one another and believe we all believe the same thing. You know, it is that familiar territory that makes us so comfortable in church. We all see things exactly. We're, you know, we're like a, a club here where we all agree and see and we listen to our minister and he's just sharing. It's just an echo chamber. He's just telling us things that we already know and understand. You know, we see it just, we all see it the same way. We all see things exactly the same way. And yet, there is a stagnation in church. We are vegetating on the vine. We are rottening on the vine in our religion. Now, the moment we got religious, understand this, we came to a fork in the road with two signs. The, the road to the right, 
there was a sign said, you have arrived. And about 500 yards down that road, there is a cul-de-sac. And it really doesn't take any thought. It doesn't take any energy or effort. We just start, we get on the merry-go-round of churchianity thinking around and around and around, thinking all the time, I have arrived until the day that we die. Now, I said there was a, a road with a fork in the road. Okay, that's the road to the right that I just explained. Now, there's another road to the left, and the sign says, The Journey to Knowing God. And that road never ends. And you walk it until the day you die, and the path can be rough. It can be rocky. It can be uphill, downhill, through the swamp land, over the hills, over the mountains, the valleys, and, you know, below, uh, down in the valleys. It's, it's not necessarily a smooth road. And you walk it until the day that you die. Now, what road you choose makes all the difference in the world when it comes to your relationship with God. Most people prefer the road to the right that says, I have arrived. Once they choose that road, they never think twice about it. Now, it may shock us to learn that God lives outside, not inside the church. We need to learn how to find God in unexpected places. We need to learn how to find value in unexpected places. You know, so often we say, look, I don't like him, therefore I reject everything he's saying. And we avoid that person like the plague. To date, religious people seem to find value only in their church, their religion, their organization, or their denomination. We need to look beyond our churches. And so this program is called How to Begin a Relationship with God Without Church and Religion. Now, you will disagree with some of it, but I can guarantee you, you will learn how to find value in unexpected places. You may even find God again. Have you ever been in a canyon? The sound of your echo can be significant. Hello, hello, hello. It's the sound of your own voice coming back to you. In today's churches, there's a similar phenomenon. Our own thoughts, convictions, the way we see things are just coming back to us from the pulpit. Well, of course, I mean, when you think about it, you don't build a mega church unless you tell people what they want to hear. Now, the churches have not always been like this. If we could go back 200 years ago, we would see a completely different kind of preaching. One that called for repentance and using the law of God to convict of sin. Today, churches have become a lucrative business, and it's a, it's a way of making money, a method for a man to provide for his family. I once read an article, Voices of Unbelief, behind the pulpit. The report was sobering. It was about men in the ministry from many different fundamental denominations that admitted they were unbelievers. Yes, they admitted they were atheists. They viewed their job as play acting, entering into a role when they got up to speak on Sunday morning. Now, the motivation was that it was a, you know, a fairly easy way to make a living and to provide for the family. You see, we are very gullible today as Christians if we, you know, if, if a man wears the cloth, he must be sent by God, or so we think. Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, Jesus reminds us, by their fruits you shall know them. We need to evaluate the fruit of the message. What are we hearing at church today? Chances are you're hearing the echoes of your own heart, 
convictions, the way you see things being repeated back to you. I could ask the question, when's the last time you disagreed with your minister? In other words, you, you've been in church for 40 years, but you've never disagreed with anything he says. And you know, often that's what keeps us going to the same church. The fact that we agree, we're, we're all of one mind, and that mind often is stagnating. It's rotting on the vine. So do you agree with your minister? Do you like what he says? Then you're in the echo chamber. He's only telling you what you want to hear. Welcome to the modern church. On a Christian talk radio show, a caller asked the question, what do I look for in a church? The answer that came back was fellowship, caring, and sharing. You know, the answer gives us some good insight into the spiritual condition of today's churches. Actually, you can find those three things, fellowship, caring, and sharing, at your local bar. Then there was a study of the most important things a church can do to attract people. Now, guess what the number one thing was? Parking. Number two, nursery. Number three, style. On down the list at number six was pastoring or teaching or preaching. You know, it seems like our priorities are all out of whack. I mean, when parking is the number one priority, something is wrong. Now, how? Where and when did the church go wrong? To answer this question, we must go back in time. Now, I want to read you some quotes by famous theologians that describe the way the church and the message used to be. Martin Luther said this, The first duty of the gospel preacher is to declare God's law and to show the nature of sin. Notice that. The first duty of the gospel preacher is to declare God's law and show the nature of sin. John Wesley, before I preach love, mercy, and grace. Notice this, before I preach love, mercy, and grace, I must preach sin, law, and judgment. He also said preach 90% law and 10% grace. Well, I'm telling you, today's churches have that one backwards. You may hear what? I was getting ready to say 10% law, but I think it's more like 1% law and you know 99 percent grace is what you hear in today's churches charles h spurgeon said there will never they will never accept grace until they tremble before a just and holy law charles finney said evermore the law must prepare the way for the gospel to overlook this in instructing souls is almost certain to result in false hope the introduction of false standard of Christian experience, and to fill, notice this, to fill the church with false converts. Do you think that's an issue today, that churches are full of false converts? And I go back to this quote by Billy Graham, which is or really it was a, just a fascinating statement that he admitted to that he felt like he had been a failure. The reason was quite simple. After being seen and heard by millions of people, he did not see a nation any closer to God. Yeah. Another quote, The highest service to which a man may obtain on earth is to preach the law of God. How have we forgotten this? How have the churches forgotten this? 
Dwight L. Moody said, God, being a perfect God, had to give a perfect law. And the law was given not to save man, but to measure them. Now, understand, this kind of preaching does not build a mega church. This kind of doctrine does not fill an auditorium of 10,000 people every Sunday morning. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What is the underlying motivation for going to church? You know, that's a question I've always asked. Why do people even go to, what's the motivation for going to church? Is it to be converted, to be corrected by God's word, to receive wisdom and instruction from the Bible? You know, whatever happened to a nation called America going to church to be corrected by God's law? What happened to that nation? The law of God, the Ten Commandments, defines God's standard of morality. Not only that, the breaking of God's law is what the Bible defines as sin. First John 3, 4 says the sin is the transgression or the breaking of God's law. You know, so many religious people want a casual relationship with God. And that casual relationship is defined by the echo chambers of our own mind. It has to be our way. It has to be the way we think, the way we see things. Yes, he's just repeating back to me. That man up in the pulpit is just repeating back to me the way I see things. Now, what God is looking for is a covenant relationship with people where the person enters into a personal covenant with his maker. You know, I think most religious people are totally unaware of the damage they are doing to their spirit by only paying attention to the people or preachers that mostly they mostly agree with and avoiding the ones they disagree with. You know, even if there was something good, they don't see it because they disqualify the person. Most people are looking for the one little thing they can disagree with so they can exclude this person as a whole. What we have is whole religion and denominations being demonized. They're called cults because we disagree with one thing. You know, I mean, it's like, how many times have I heard, well, that's that's the Jehovah's Witness there. Don't listen to them. Well, look, they're not 100% wrong. I mean, no, no churches, <laughs> they have truth, some truth. I'm not agree. I'm not a Jehovah's Witness, so so don't don't misinterpret this. But I'm just saying, you know, often we demonize people we disagree with, and we throw out the baby with the bathwater. Now, once we surround ourselves with people that only share our convictions, this is what creates the echo chamber. You cannot grow spiritually in the echo chamber. We cannot grow spiritually in our relationship with God until our faith is challenged. In fact, you don't even have real faith until it is put to the fire and tested continuously. When our faith is challenged, it is only then that we find out how very little we really know about the Bible. I think fear is one of the main reasons we avoid people who disagree with us or have different convictions. We're afraid that we might have to explain or back up our faith. But if we cannot explain or back up our faith, is it really faith? No. No, it's not. It's just the echo chamber of our minds, the way we see things, which cannot be proven or defended. Now, there is a story in the Bible of a man named Job. 
His story begins with four words, a four-word sentence. I was at ease. What happens next that Job was he was Job was drugged through a nut knot hole backwards, actually. You know, sometimes we look at verses like nothing shall separate us from the love of God. And we are very encouraged, but we overlook what is being said. Let's take a look at it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, notice this, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to avoid many of the things listed here. You know, I mean, I'm not crazy about persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, sword, tribulation, distress. I'm not crazy about any of those things. But, I mean, listen to this. Listen, what we overlook is this. God will have his way when it comes to the personal development of your character. God will not allow you to stagnate and vegetate on the vine. And if it takes these things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, or sword, if it takes those things to build the kind of character that God is after, then he will allow it. He will allow it. Now, I think we can avoid a lot of negative things on, in our lives, a lot of negative things on, the, on this list here, if we are continuously in a self-corrective mode. In other words, Lord, I'm probably wrong. Lord, I don't trust myself as far as I can spit. Lord, I need you to correct me. You know, a 16th century philosopher said this. He said the right method, and that is for approaching God, should begin with, a profession of ignorance. Notice that, a profession of ignorance. Not only don't I know anything, I am positioned in such a way that what I think I know is probably laden with error, misapplication, confusion. Yeah, I mean, contrast this with the absolute confidence that most religious people exhibit. Well, I know I'm saved and heaven bound. I mean, think about it. Which is better? For someone to think they are converted and not be or for someone to be converted and think they are not you know if you feel you are not converted or you're sort of unsure of your conversion what are you going to do you're going to live your life being continuously in a self-corrective mode i want to do better i want to grow i want to see truth And I can guarantee you that God will not allow you to stagnate and vegetate on the vine. You see, our confidence uh, in our religion, because we are in the echo chamber, just hearing and seeing things like we are, creates incredible lack of spiritual growth and stagnation. Where our views, the way we see things is never challenged It's just like a pep rally church is where you're just encouraged that, hey, you're right. The way you think, the way you look at things, you're exactly right. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it possible to grow beyond your denominations or church's view of God? Is it possible for you to step outside of your faith, denomination, organization, church, in other, words, if, in other words, if you're a Baptist, will you die Baptist? If you're a Catholic, does that mean you have to die Catholic? If you're a Presbyterian, will you die a Presbyterian? 
we have a tendency to get locked into our glass cathedrals, and it's like we're trapped and can't get out. We're part of the insider's group. We cannot see outside the box. We can only see things the way we're told to see things. The leadership of the Holy Spirit is waiting for us to expand our minds, to take us places that we have never dreamed of. But we say, no thanks, I'm comfortable here in the echo chamber where we all see things exactly the same way. You know, often I've heard a statement like, well, I'm just not being fed at my church. Well, of course not. It's because you have placed such incredible limitations on the Spirit of God. You know, I've been in the ministry for over 20 years, and during that time I have made it a point to listen to other ministers who have opposing convictions than my own. I don't always listen to people that I agree with. I listen to many preachers that I know what they're telling me I don't agree with, but I listen to them anyway. Now, I'm not saying you have to abandon your faith and beliefs. What I'm saying is we must be willing to learn from others that don't always agree with us. Often the truth is inside of you, but it just hasn't been brought to the forefront of your mind. And, you know, many times by listening to someone with an opposing conviction than my own, I've had that gold nugget, that truth, brought to the forefront of my mind. Had I blocked that person out of my life and said, nope, I can't listen to him, he don't think like I think, this would have never happened. But because I was willing to listen to others, who I didn't totally agree with. I had that gold nugget of truth that was sort of submerged back there in my mind, but it was brought to the forefront of my mind. If you pay attention to someone or listen to them, it doesn't mean that you have to emulate emulate everything about them. You see, the leadership of the Spirit enhances the learning process. You need to be a learner. You need to be a learning machine. Always learning. Always learning. You know, at Kitty Hawk, there is a monument with the description, the death of impossible. Up to that point, everyone said it was impossible to fly. The monument represents the spot where the Wright brothers took off and sailed into the air. Many Christians have entered into the death of spiritual growth. The assumption is my church, my denomination cannot be wrong about anything. I know I'm right and I cannot learn from others. The echo chambers of my mind assure me daily that I am right. I am at ease. So how do we begin a relationship with God without church and religion? How do we grow spiritually again? How do we find God again? By finding value in unexpected places. We must be willing to learn from others and have our faith challenged by those who believe differently. By finding value in unexpected places, we must be willing to learn from everyone and have our faith challenged by those who believe differently. So many people immediately shut down as soon as they hear any kind of disagreement, anything they disagree with remotely. They shut that person out of their lives and will not listen. We must step outside our churches, our denominations, our doctrines, our creeds, and try to understand others. There are over 450,000 churches in America. Yet America continues its downward spiral towards immorality and corruption. The problem is, people have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. The paradox is this. 
A personal relationship with God must first begin in the absence of church and religion. How to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. To order the complete six-CD series on how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion, send your most generous donation of $20 or more to You Plus God, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.